Well, hey, uh, hey, we've been in this series called Living My Best Life, where the past couple of weeks, we're actually wrapping it up today, uh, tonight, and uh, the past couple of weeks, we've just been talking about, hey, we want to help you, we want to help you live your absolute best life. And so this, been, this series has been full of wisdom, and I hope you've been taking notes, and I hope you take notes tonight, because um, where we're going tonight is going to be so helpful, and it, I really do believe it's going to help you live your best life. But here's the deal. I don't know what your idea of a best life is, like your, what you, you dream about when you think about your best life. Like, it might be a dream job. I mean, many of you are in college, um, and you're sort of in your major, and you're trying to figure out what's next, and after that, and you might have this, like, dream picture of a job that you want to land one day. That might be your best life, or, you know, for, for some of you in the room, might be that dream girl, that dream guy, you know, maybe you're, you're with them now, maybe, you know, you're just hoping they come sometime in the future, right? But there's like some, your best life is like, hey, you know, getting married one day and, you know, or having children and that's like the idea of your best life, right? Or maybe it's moving off, you know, you grew up around uh, Kennesaw like all your life and you're just like, I'm ready to get out of here, like I want to move to the big city, um, I want to move to LA, I want to move to New York City, like that would be like, that's just your, your dream, like, that would be you living your best life. And then we've talked about this a couple times over the last several weeks, but for some of you, your best life might look like just being financially secure, right? And as a college student, everyone was like, amen, right? Like, you have $6 in your bank account. Like, you would love to be financially secure. Um, but here's the deal. I don't know what living your best life looks like, but I will let you know that a couple weeks ago, I was living my best life, and it was amazing. And so... Here's basically what, what, what was going on. So I've been married to my wife, Madeline, for about 10 years, uh, or for 10 years, not about 10 years. We've been married for 10 years. And um, we decided we wanted to go on, we wanted to go on a date night, um, which, I mean, I mean, I know, it's just so exciting, right? But I promise you, we're going somewhere. But so we decided to go on this date night. We had been really, we hadn't been on a date night in a really long time because we have two little girls. We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old who are amazing, but they just require a lot of time. Like, that's just what parenthood is about. You just sort of, you realize how selfish you are and how much time you don't have when you have kids, right? And so, so like school had started, our four-year-old had started pre-K, and so we're really busy. Uh, TLR was starting back up. This was like in, earlier in August, and so I'm busy here at work. My wife's busy, and so we just had, just, it was just a really busy season for us, and so we decided like, hey, we want to go on a date, um, just me and her on a Friday night, and just hang out. And here was the kicker. Here, here's why this honestly was probably the reason why it was my best life in that moment was because we got the grandparents to take care of our kids. And that doesn't seem like a lot for you right now, but if you have kids one day, you will completely understand because when the grandparents said yes, when Gigi and Pop were like, yeah, come on, bring them up on Friday night, we like celebrated. It was like an answer prayer. Like it was amazing. And so, so we had like childcare lined up. You know, we didn't have to worry about a baby, getting back to a babysitter. We didn't have to uh, worry about, you know, going and getting them later on. We could, uh, you know, sleep in the next morning. I mean, we were like kid-free, and it was amazing, right? And so all week long, all week long, we're just hyping up this date night. Like, we're figuring out where we want to go eat. We figure out this place in uh, downtown Woodstock that we've been really wanting to try. And so uh, we figure out where we want to eat. And, you know, we're already looking at the menu on, like, Tuesday, even though the date's on Friday. Like, we're that excited about it, that excited about this date. And so Friday comes along, and we're getting ready throughout the day, um, and, 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 you know, we're getting sort of dressed up. I'm not, like, not like suit and tie, but, like, dressed up enough where, like, I'm looking at my, my wife, and I'm like, dang, girl, like, where the, whew, come on, like, this is, this is shaping up to be a great night, right? I'm, like, living my best life. I'm living my best life. We take the girls to Gigi and Pop's house. We drop them off. You know, we sprint out the door because we're like, see ya. No, I love my kids a lot. We didn't necessarily sprint, but we, we hugged them and got out of there, right, because we're ready to go to dinner. 
We get, we get to dinner at like 5.30 because that's what time parents eat dinner. If you didn't know that, dinner is not 7.30. Dinner is actually 5.30, um, but at least it is in our household. And so we get to this place. Um, you know, the food, the, the food's amazing. Like we get appetizers and uh, we get like, man, we're, we're just spoiling ourselves. Like because we, it's been so long, right? The vibes were absolutely immaculate. Like, I'm sorry, I, if I cannot build up this date night, it was that good, right? But then... Everything changed in like a moment. Everything changed in a moment. You see, my wife and I are having a conversation. We're eating, I'm eating my, like, I think I was eating like roasted duck, right? Like seriously, that's what I was eating, it was awesome. And she brings up, just, just to make a conversation, you know, we're just chatting, catching, ch- catching each other up, trying to reconnect, you know, um, and relax with each other. And she brings up this, uh, uh, some update from some of our friends that, uh, of a city that we used to live in. And they're some of our really close friends. And she was just giving me a simple update. I think uh, her, her friend had, you know, Marco Poe her and said, like, hey, here's what's going on in our life. Like, they were sort of reconnecting. And she just wanted to share that with me. And what she shares is that uh, the, the, the friend of mine, so, like, her friend's husband, right, who him and I were pretty close um, in where I used to live, had, had just been asked to, like, uh, to consider a really cool opportunity for his job, like, like an opportunity that he had been preparing for for a long time and, and like really expecting about for a really long time. And someone actually came to him and said, hey, would you consider this opportunity? And so I'm like, okay, that, that's cool, right? Like, and then she goes on and says, and actually another thing that's pretty cool in their life is that they had some friends of theirs who are, are you know, they're sort of like real estate agents. And so they're actually gonna buy some land and they were asked if they wanted to like sort of buy some land and build like their dream house on it, right? And so I'm like, I'm hearing this during the conversation and my first response was like, what well, maybe some of yours first response would be if you heard some friends of yours were like had a really cool life update or whatever. And at first I'm like, I'm happy for them. But then my attitude began to shift. My mood became to change, began to change. And, and, and all of a sudden the conversation between my wife and I was like going downhill fast. Like it was a burning ship. I began to shut down emotionally. I began to shut down physically. I'm just sort of like, just there, right? Not aware of anything that's going on around me. And so we decide like, hey, maybe we need some fresh air. So we pay the bill. We sort of end dinner a little bit early and we head out. We sort of take a walk in downtown Woodstock thinking fresh air will help. But I'm just, I'm spiraling. Like mentally, I'm spiraling. I can't get back to a place where like, I'm enjoying the night, enjoying where I'm at. And so we decide to go home, and my wife, who's amazing, tries to sort of redeem the night, right? Like she looks at me, she's like, hey, do you want to play a board game? And, and listen, board games get crazy in our house. Like we love to compete. We love to, uh, you know, and so she's trying hard. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do it. Like I'm just in this terrible, terrible mood. And so she eventually looks at me and is like, well, fine, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to go read a book and go to bed. And I'm left there sitting on the couch wondering what in the world just happened, right? Like this night that I had been, we had been so looking forward to all of a sudden was ruined. You see, what started out as me living my best life, like I'm sitting across from my beautiful wife having an amazing dinner, not having to worry about my kids because they're being well taken care of and the night is sort of whatever we want it to be. All of a sudden it turns into like my worst possible life. And here's why. And it's where we're going tonight. And it's something that I guarantee, I guarantee you is going to keep you from your best possible life to you. See, what I got caught up in was this, comparison. I got caught up in comparison. You see, I began to compare myself to my friend who him and I are in very similar seasons of life. We do very similar things. 
And I, and I began to, to compare myself and get jealous of where he was at and why that was not my life. Even though in the moment, I was having an unbelievable time. My life was great. But as soon as I started to compare myself, I started living my worst life, and it wasn't even real. And see, we all do this. We all do this. Like, some of you, you compare yourself to your older sibling, who, whose parents choose them because they're like the golden child. And you're like, I just can't live up to that standard that they have for my older brother or sister. Or maybe it's a younger sibling, and this, uh, this might be worse, honestly. Like, your younger sibling has life figured out, but yours is a mess. And you compare yourself to your younger sibling, and you're like, I don't... There's no way I can get it all together. Like what? You, you compare yourself all the time to them. Or, or you compare yourself to, to your roommate who just landed their dream job. And yet you've sent them like 100 applications and you haven't heard anything back. You compare yourself to them. Or that, that person, that person, right, who never studies in class. We all know them. If you're in the room, I know, we know who you are, right? They never study and they always get really good grades. But yet you study your tail off all the time, and you're barely passing, you compare yourself to them. Like, you're comparing yourself, like, I'm not smart, as smart as them. Or, this, this is gonna get real for you, especially as you get older. You compare yourself to, like, your best friend or a friend of yours who's, who's getting married, yet, like, your dating game has been non-existent for, like, two years, <laughs> right? You compare yourself to them. You're, they ask you to be, like, in the, the, you're always the ones asked to be in the bridal party, but you're, like, never the one with the boyfriend, girlfriend, right? You always... They're like, hey, plus one. It's like, yeah, plus zero, right? Like, I'm coming by myself, right? Like that, but you compare yourself to them. We do this all the time. Or, or this one, this one's pretty, there's a lot, a lot here in this one. Or you compare yourself to your, your dad or your mom or your stepmom or stepdad or a parent or someone, some kind of guardian in your life who's like super successful. They're like super, really successful businessman or businesswoman. They own their business or whatever. And you compare them because you're like, I, I will never have the drive that they do. And there's this like expectation that I feel. And you compare yourself to them and you're like, what's going on, right? And so it, that's, that's an like, ugly thing about comparison. You, you, we compare ourselves with people that we know the best. We compare ourselves with those who are closest to us. I mean, think about, think about this for a second. Like, you don't truly compare yourself to Kim Kardashian, right? Because here's the deal. Kim Kardashian is in a whole different stratosphere, as all of us in this room. Like, we will never come close. We don't really compare ourselves to her or anyone, else, like, in her status. Did someone raise your hand? Like, oh, you compare it? No, I'm just kidding. But we do compare ourselves to those who we see every day, our roommates, our best friends, our family. We compare ourselves with them all the time. And that's one of the ugliest things about comparison because when we compare, it prevents us from having, like, authentic, real relationships with other people. It ruins them. And the problem is social media has made this even easier. And one thing I don't want you to hear tonight, this message is not about social media is bad for you or any of that kind of stuff. Like, I think social media is pretty neutral. It depends on how you use it. But, but, think about this for a second. You're having, like, a really bad day, right? Like, you woke up late. You missed your, like, alarm after the seventh time. You're going, you're driving to campus, especially for you, those of you at Kennesaw State, and you already know it's hard to get parking at Kennesaw State, right? Like, the parking decks are awful, and so you already see the line that's, like, all the way back up to Chastain, and you're like, I'm about to sit in traffic for another, like, six hours, right? Like, you're at, your art day is already off to a terrible start, and so what do you do? You're sitting in traffic, bumper to bumper, what do you do? You shouldn't do this because it's against the law, but you pull out your phone, and you start scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever. You're having a terrible day, but you're like, hey, I'm just going to escape from that for a little bit, but what do you immediately see? 
You see your friend who somehow, who apparently is in school, who's on an all-inclusive vacation in Mexico because they're an influencer, right? Or you see a friend of your, or a family member of yours who's like traveling across Europe, right? And in that moment, what goes through your mind? You're immediately comparing your life, which you're not having a great day, to their life, which they're having an unbelievable time, and you're thinking like, my life is awful. Like, I'm not living my best life. And it's because you're comparing your real life with someone's highlight reel. And we do that all the time with social media. You see, social media and and just comparison in general reminds us there's always someone ER than us, okay? ER, ER than us. And, And what I mean by that is this. There is always someone, and social media highlights this even more, there's always someone who's gonna be better than us. There's always gonna be someone who's better than us. That's what comparison does. Comparison reminds us there's always gonna be, fellas, someone stronger than you, stronger than us. There's always gonna be someone prettier than us. That's what comparison does in our lives. There's always gonna be someone who's thinner than us. There's always gonna be someone who's richer than us. Comparison, comparison. So there's always gonna be someone more successfuler, and I know that's not a word, but you got, okay, more, it didn't, it worked, it didn't work, okay? But there's always gonna be someone more successful than you. Comparison leads us to a place where we're just discontent with our life, and we're not grateful for what we have. I actually, in preparing for this talk, I was looking up some different, like, I like to bring in, like, outside research to this, like, like what, what are some researchers saying about what we're talking about, or is there some science behind it, whatever? And, and I found this research about uh, the study about happiness. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. There's something called the happiness report. It's a real thing. It's legit. And, and the, these researchers were basically sort of trying to figure out, like, hey, what is the people's happiness scale, like, over a period of time? And it's actually pretty fascinating, because over the past, like, two decades or so, the happiness for specifically, this research was done specifically with uh, teenagers and young adults. The happiness for teenagers and young adults over the past like two decades or so has steadily declined. Has steadily declined. And, and, and what they found, they were trying to figure out what has been the main root, what has been the main cause of this? What, what is something that is attributed to this? And there's, there's a ton of stuff that was going on, but one of the main things that they found was that social media, social media use increases depression. The more that you use social media, the more likely someone is to be depressed. In fact, here's one of the quotes. Research found this. They found that social media use is linked to participants' impression that other users are happier, as well as the feeling that life is not fair. That life is not fair. So not only are they looking at other people and saying, oh, they're they're living their best life, but then they're looking at theirs and saying, and I'm definitely not. And that's what comparison does. It prevents us from living our best life. And some of you might be thinking, oh, maybe it's just like screen time versus social media. No, they actually came out and said, it's actually better for someone to like watch Netflix and binge Netflix than it is for them to scroll on Instagram. It's literally what this research said. And so while social media not, might not be the root cause of, your, uh, of comparison and, and, and the sort of sadness that you might feel, the fact that you might feel like you're not living your best life, while it might not be the ultimate cause, it's definitely, definitely not helping. Because here's what's true. Here's what's true. Comparison robs you of your best life. Comparison robs you of your best life. 
And so, what do we do about it, right? Like, there's so many, uh, you know, do you get rid of social media? Like, what, how, how do you manage this? And, and there's actually, uh, the past couple of weeks, as we've been talking about how you can live your best life, we've been unpacking um, some, some scriptures, some different uh, verses in the Bible that have some really key uh, nuggets of wisdom that we think can lead you to living your best life. And, and, and just to sort of preface this real quick, one thing that's amazing about the Bible and something that for some of you, I don't know like um, how well you know the Bible, if you grew up reading the Bible, or uh, some people, if you even grew up reading the Bible, you probably don't know this, but the Bible actually, the whole uh, purpose of the Bible is actually not one thing. Like the different books of the Bible actually serve different purposes depending on who they were written to and who was writing them. And so the last several weeks, as we've been talking about this idea of wisdom, we've actually been looking at three books in the Bible that are considered wisdom literature. The first one is the book of Job. The second one, and we've talked about this one a lot, and you've probably heard this one a lot, is the book of Proverbs. And tonight, we're actually gonna look at, at another wisdom literature book, the last one, which is actually called Ecclesiastes. And, and if, if you're not a church person, if, you, if you know, the Bible is like unfamiliar for you, to you, you're probably thinking like, what in the world did he just say? Is that a different language? It sort of is, yeah, but Ecclesiastes, yeah, weird, I don't even know how to spell it, right? Um, you, you might be thinking that. For those of you that are somewhat familiar with the Bible, you're thinking, wow, this message is about to take a really depressing turn, right? Because Ecclesiastes is sort of known. It's known for this sort of, this, the author, where he looks at life, and, and like literally the first thing he says is life is meaningless. It's like a vapor. It's literally how he starts off the book. And, and, and for some people, they think that like Ecclesiastes is a really depressing book about life, but actually, I think it's a lot, it has some really great wisdom about life. And has some really great wisdom with what we're talking about tonight with Comparison. You see, the writer of Proverbs was this guy named Solomon. And Solomon had everything. Solomon was a king. He lived a couple thousand years ago. And, and actually, when, before he became king, God asked him, he said, Solomon, if you could have anything, like anything in the world, like what would you ask for? And instead of asking for wealth or, or, or women or um, you, you know, a status or popularity, he asked for wisdom. And God granted him like almost supernatural, like spiritual wisdom. And he is considered one of the wisest people to have ever existed. He wrote all of Proverbs. He wrote all of Ecclesiastes. He is considered one of the wisest people to have ever existed. And see, Solomon, Solomon, despite, you know, with his, with his wisdom, actually became very wealthy. He became the king of Israel. He led his nation into a lot of prosperity. He had whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted and so Solomon, actually, the, the, this book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon looking at life. And we all have this moment where we look at life and we realize that, hey, life is not all it's cracked up to be. Like something happens in life and you're like, man, what, like, why am I here? What is going on? Like what is the purpose of life? Like Solomon is asking that question. He actually gives some really great wisdom into that question. And so Solomon, this guy who, who, who's super powerful, who's super wise, he, he looks around at the people around him trying to make the best life for themselves. And, and, and he actually sees this, and he, we're gonna quote him here in Ecclesiastes 4. He says this. He says, and I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of one another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So how does that relate to comparison? What, what, what we're talking about here, what Solomon is saying here is that he looked around. He saw people working hard for their life, trying to make the best possible life for themselves, doing it all on their own. And what was the reason why? It's because of envy of one another. 
They were comparing themselves to one another, and that was the motivation for why they kept trying to achieve and get more and more. You see, he, he was looking, he was looking at these people, and he was seeing that they were discontent with their life, and so they kept working harder, right? They kept studying longer. They kept fighting, uh, fighting longer. They kept making decisions, not based on their own life, but based on other people's lives. And what he's saying is this. He's, he says, it's meaningless, it's meaningless. Why is it meaningless? Well, when you measure yourself up, you realize to other people, when you measure yourself up to other people, like we said earlier, there's no end in sight. There's just gonna be someone better. There's gonna be someone richer. There's gonna be someone smarter. And what Solomon is saying is like, that's pointless. Like, why would you live your life that way? It's meaningless. And so, so what does that mean for us? Like, does that mean we don't get to work, right? Like, should we not work hard at having our best life? Well, he sort of talks about that. He says this. He says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. He sort of gives the opposite of working hard, right? Like for some of you in the room, you might compare yourself to someone else, and that causes you, that gives you motivation to work harder. For other, uh, others of us in the, in the room, when we compare ourselves to other people, what happens is we just like give up, Right? Like this person, and it might be you, you compare yourself to other people and you become like apathetic towards life. You become cynical towards life or or you just become like simply lazy. You just fold up your arms and say, no, not worth it. You see, comparison has led you to a place where you realize that, hey, it's just not, I'm just not gonna do anything. I'm just not gonna do anything because I'm never going to measure up. You think to yourself, I'll never be able to achieve that. You look around and you see people around you and you think, I'll never be smart enough to get into that school. I'll never be pop- popular enough to like, actually have a great friend group, so I'm just not even gonna try to do anything social, right? You see, comparison and envy here led, will lead you to a place where you don't believe you can offer what they can. Comparison and envy will lead you to a place where you don't believe what you can offer other people and what you can offer in your life it can match what they can. And so you just choose to give up. And Solomon says, that's not a great way to live either because you'll ruin yourself. You'll ruin yourself. And so what Solomon is trying to get us to see here is like, what is your motivation for your best life? What is your motivation? Because if it's comparing yourself to other people, that's not how it works. And it's meaningless. He says it's meaningless. Thankfully, Solomon provides some wisdom here. He says this, he goes on. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's, here's what I mean by this, okay? Just a little example. How many of you, uh, when's the last, like, uh, how many of you got to go grocery shopping? Just quick, like you're the one that goes grocery shopping, okay? All right, so think back to the last time you went grocery shopping and you get back from the grocery store and you're sitting in your parking lot and what's like the next thing that you think? Well, I got to get my groceries to my apartment, right, or wherever I live, and and by God, you are not going to make multiple trips, right, because you live on the sixth floor, and the elevator's broken, and so you got to climb the stairs every single time you want to make a trip, so what do you do? You load up, right? You have bags on every single arm, because you're the only one, you're the responsible one uh, of your roommates, and so you're the one that does the grocery shopping, like, bless you, thank you, Um, we all love you for that, but you load up your arms, like, you got it maybe on your leg, like, you've got it hanging from your teeth, right? And you get to the top, your, your apartment building, you get to your apartment. And then what happens? You're stuck 
because you can't reach your keys to undo your door to your apartment. Now, I know that's a silly illustration, but that's what Solomon is telling us here. You see, Solomon is telling us that when we walk around with two handfuls of work, when we just try to, to, to gather and get as much as we can because we're comparing ourselves to other people, it's like chasing after the wind. Why? Why? Because here's the deal. It doesn't lead to a life of peace. It doesn't lead to your best life because all of a sudden you're just focused on yourself and not on anyone else or not anybody else. You're just focused on what you can get. And what Solomon is telling us here is he's instructing us, hey, instead of living life where you're close-handed with two hands, gathering all you can and working as hard as you can and toiling and, and doing everything you can to make your life great, he's saying it's better to just open one of those hands. It's better for you, it's better for me to just open one of those hands because when we open our hands, when we open a hand, we're more likely to accept what God has actually given us. You see, we look at our other hand and we recognize that we can be content with what God has given us. We're more available to go where God wants us to go when we have an open hand. You can actually get into your apartment building because you can unlock your door. That's what Solomon is trying to say. And he says this here, he says better, that's why he says better is one handful with tranquility. When you have one handful, your life is full of peace. It's, it, another translation will say it's, it's more quiet. And so Solomon here is encouraging us to, to be content with what we have. That's, what the, that's the wisdom. Be content with your life. Don't keep striving for more and more for yourself because when we do that, we miss out on what God has for us. And ultimately, we miss out on our best possible life. You see, when you walk around with one hand open, you become content with who you are and what you have been given. And so, if that's you, if you feel like you're walking around with two close fists, I just wanna ask that question. And we all do this, I do this too. But what is that second handful costing you? Maybe you're not living your best possible life because you just continue to consume and continue to work and you're living life with two closed hands. Uh, Solomon sort of wraps up with this. He says, and again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. Dude, I'm telling you, I promise Solomon isn't the most depressing guy in the world, but if you read it, it can come that way. He loves to use the word meaningless. I'm just saying that. He's a joy, right? He says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So here's the context. He's sort of wrapping up the whole story with this, with this sort of illustration of this guy, of this guy who was all alone. He didn't have a son or a brother or anyone around him that he could leave anything to. He had, he, but he continued to work hard to gain things for himself. His eyes were not content with what he had. But then he has this sort of aha moment. And he, he goes on. Solomon goes on, he says, for whom am I toiling? Other translations, and this is, this is one that I think you should write down. What who, or who am I working for? What or who am I working for? For whom am I to toiling? It's a great question. Yes, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. This guy, he was all alone. And we don't know if it was at the beginning, like sort of the middle of his life or the end of his life, but I feel like you hear that all the time, right? Of people saying like, he gets to the end of the life and they realize like, hey, my life, I thought I was 
going after the best life, but I got to the end of it and I have a lot of regret because I forsake, forsake my, my friendships and my family because I kept working hard to achieve something because I kept comparing myself to some ungodly standard that I set. But this guy realizes it. He says, wait, why am I doing all this? For whom am I working for? For whom am I toiling? And so here's basically the wisdom that Solomon shows us. And what I wanna leave you guys with tonight is this. You start living your best life when you stop comparing it to others. You start, if you want your best life, then you need to stop comparing it to others. You see, Solomon in, in, in these passages are, is encouraging us to live our best life. You see, I don't really believe, I said this earlier, I don't think Ecclesiastes is this like depressing book to read through. It can be. But when you realize what he's getting at, he's, he's asking a question and he's going, he's really doing a deep dive into the meaning and purpose of life. And what Solomon is saying is life is not about you comparing yourself to other people and being envious of what other people have. Life is about you walking in who God has created you to be. And you cannot do that if you're comparing your life to somebody else's. And so if you wanna live your best life, which we all do, you need to stop comparing it to others because it's not your journey to walk. You see, when we live our lives this way, when we live our lives with the understanding that we were created by this uh, a heavenly father who loves us, who wants what's best for us, who's not looking at us and, and comparing us to others, that's when we live our best life. We're able to live our best life when we're walking in that. And so, I wanna help you out tonight. I wanna help you live your best life, and we hope this series has been one, and if you missed some past couple of weeks, like, I encourage you to go back and listen to the, the other weeks because it's so helpful, this wisdom is so helpful. But, but I wanna give you sort of three ways to fight comparison and envy in your own life. And so, if you're not taking notes, or if you have notes, like, I encourage you to write these down because I promise you these will be a game changer. The first one is this. I want you to begin to practice gratitude. I want you to begin to practice gratitude. And I, I don't want this to just be something that you like, you know, at the end of the day, you sort of say, you know, oh, thank you for this, or you say it like a meal, a meal or whatever. No, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down. One of my favorite practices that I get to do, or that, that I, I choose to do, and I'm not great at it, but when I'm, you know, feeling sort of this, this tension of like, is my life great, or like, am I living my best life or whatever, one of the things that I do is I do this thing where I write three things down I'm grateful for in the morning. One of the first things I do, I'll wake up and I'll write, get up my journal and it'll be short, simple statements of like, God, what, what am I grateful for? And what that does, what that does is it begins to shift your focus on not what you're grateful for, but who you're grateful to. This whole idea of anyone can practice gratitude, but I'm encouraging you to change your focus from not just what you're grateful for, but who you're grateful to because you have a heavenly father who wants to shower you with gifts. And any good and perfect thing comes from him. And so I want you to recognize that that's true in your life too. So I want you to practice gratitude and learn to be content with what God has given you because he's given you some amazing things and he wants you to live your best life. And by practicing gratitude, we can begin to do that. So I want you to be thinking, who or what are you grateful for? The second thing is this. I want you to celebrate others. I want you to celebrate others. Celebration breaks the power of jealousy. Celebration 
breaks the power of envy in your life. You see, comparison is really me-focused. You're focused all about yourself. How can I be like that? How can, how can I achieve like that or be like them? But celebration is others-focused. And so I, 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 want you to, I want you to actually, I'm challenging you to this, I want you to say it out loud to that person. I want you to celebrate others around you. I want you to celebrate your friends when they're having success. I, what I should have done, what I should have done that moment of being on that date night is I should have drafted a quick text to my friend and says, hey man, I heard about this. Like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm so uh, thankful to know you. Like, I can't wait to see what happens with this stuff. That would have been me celebrating him. Yeah, I chose to keep it in and just compare myself. You see where that led me. And, and if you don't want to say it in person or in a text, like write a note in a text. And, and, and don't make it sarcastic, right? Like don't, don't do it in a way that's like not genuine or real because they'll see right through it. But when you have, I want you to check your heart when it comes to who you're comparing yourself to. And instead of comparing yourself to them, celebrate them. So here's a great question to ask when it comes to this. Who, and this one's hard, <laughs> who do you secretly want to fail? Who do you secretly want to fail? to fail because that is who you're comparing yourself to. So I challenge you to celebrate others. And the last one, and this one's the most important one out of all these, is this. You need to know your value. You need to know your value. You see, who or what you're comparing yourself to indicates what you think your value is. Are you comparing yourself to your roommate? Are you measuring yourself up against your siblings or your parents? Are you trying to, trying to get recognition, comparing yourself to uh, achievement or uh, another major or a job? Like whatever you compare yourself to, whatever you measure yourself up to is the value that you place on yourself. But here's the truth about everyone in the room. Is that you have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father who place so much value on you that despite your brokenness, despite the fact that we can never do life perfect, despite the fact that this is true out of all of us, that we compare ourselves all the time and we forsake the, what God has given us and focus more on ourselves than on him and the, the, person who create, the person and being that created us, despite all of that, you have a heavenly father who loves you, who wants what's best for you, who it pains, it pains him to see you not living your best life. And because of that, he sent his son for you. Because of that, he sent his son to die for you so that when he looks down on you, he doesn't look to your left or to your right. He doesn't compare you to the person to your left or to your right or to your roommate or to your, uh, to, your, to your best friend or to your mom or your dad or whoever. He doesn't compare you to any of those. No, he looks at you and sees you. And that's the value that you have in the eyes of God. And you need to know your value because when you begin to see this, when you begin to see, come to understand and, and be, truly believe this in, in yourself, what you're gonna find is like you look at other people and you're not gonna find yourself comparing them, yourself to them because you realize that your view of yourself is more in line with God's view of you than anyone else's view of you, including yourself. 
Because because of Christ, when God looks at your son or daughter in his eyes, that is your value and your worth. And when you begin to, to, to understand what your value is and, and who you are in the eyes of God, you're going to start living your absolute best life. We're about to sing this song. a song that you're probably familiar with. Um, if not, it's all good. Well, the lyrics will be on the screen. But this song that makes this declaration of God, I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. And there's probably some people in the room that you don't know what God says about you. So I want you to know this. Here's what God says about you. God says that you're his beloved, meaning that there is nothing you can do to cause God not to love you any more or any less. There is nothing you have to do to prove to God for him to love you. God, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a mistake. He doesn't see someone who's not smart enough. And the reason why he doesn't is because God created you and God creates good things. And that is your worth and who you are. And so that's why we can stand with confidence that because of Jesus, when God looks at us, he doesn't see, he doesn't see the mistakes, he doesn't see past failures. No, he sees the righteousness of it. He sees perfection. And when we can walk out of that, we don't have to look to our left or to our right and compare ourselves to others. No, 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 no. Because we realize that God is not comparing us to anybody else. God just wants you, all of you. Like we sang earlier, he loves you as, you found, as he found you. And so we're gonna sing this song and, and, and if that's you, I just want, if you struggle with this idea, which we all do, I just want you to, tonight, I just want you to lay that on the table. Whoever you're comparing, whatever you're comparing yourself to, whoever you're comparing yourself to, I just want you to surrender that to God right now during the song. Because until you do that, until you stop comparing yourself to others, you're not gonna start living the best possible life. Let me pray for you guys God, thank you for these students. And God, we just thank you. God, that when you look at us, you don't compare us to each other. God, just somehow in, in, in just your infinite being and who you are, God, you're able to look at each and every one of us and, and, and love us individually right where we're at. And so God, as we as we in the night with this song of worship and this song of declaration, I pray for the student in the room who just, they can't get past this idea of comparing themselves to one another, that God, they, they just feel like they never measure up. God, I pray for that student tonight that you would let them release that to you, that you would let them surrender that to you. Because God, in your eyes, they're a son, they're a daughter, they're free to be who they are, who you created them to be. So Lord, we just give up this, the next few moments to you. We ask you to just accept this worship. And God, I pray that freedom would be felt in the room tonight through it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.